Welcome to Hospitality Forward, a podcast where hospitality and travel professionals learn how to earn the media spotlight. My name is Hana Lee. I am president of Hana Lee Communications, an award-winning public relations agency in New York City. And I'm Michael Ann Stendig, editor-in-chief at Hana Lee Communications and a food and beverage writer. As a journalist myself and Hannah as a PR professional, we understand the power of media coverage and its impact on someone's career and business. That's why we launched our podcast to help our industry rebuild and rebound by interviewing top journalists who share their insights and tips for gaining the media's attention. In this episode, we are delighted to chat with Jeff Wilgopolin. For 16 years, Jeff has been at Forbes Travel Guide, the global authority on luxury hospitality known for its annual star ratings of hotels, spas, and restaurants. Jeff is one of the hospitality industry's foremost service experts. Certified under the Court of Master Sommeliers, he has trained hospitality professionals on six continents and stayed at more than 250 Forbes Travel Guide five-star and four-star hotels. Hi, Jeff. Thanks for joining us. Hi, great to see you. Thank you. Hello, Hannah. Hello, Michael. Nice to see you both as well. Thank you. So you've been with Forbes Travel Guide for over 15 years. So tell us about what it is and also who's the audience and what categories do you cover? Sure. So Forbes Travel Guide is the organization that awards stars to hotels and restaurants and spas every year. Um, we like to consider ourselves the world's second oldest rating company, and we'll give Michelin the credit of being the first. They've got 57 years on us, but we actually started as a company called Mobile Travel Guide. So just like Michelin created a guide to get people on the road to use their tires, we created a guide to get people on the road to use our gas. And the guide plotted along for a number of years, and then in, make a very long story short, um, in 2007, we were actually purchased by a gentleman named Jeff Arnold. So um, something that's pretty unique about our company is that we are actually not owned or operated by Forbes. We're actually an independently held company that just licenses that Forbes name onto our brand. Um, and sort of the reason for the name change is that when we began evaluating outside of the United States, we really wanted to partner with somebody whose name was a bit more synonymous in terms of luxury and um, sort of be able to capture that market very quickly. Um, and, uh, you know, from we expanded outside of the United States to rate properties in Beijing in 2008 in preparation for the Olympics, and then went to Hong Kong and Macau. And then that started in 2008, and we are now in 73 countries as of today. So fantastic. Congratulations. That's great. Expansion's been pretty fast and furious. Sounds like <laughs> it. So you 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 mentioned uh, some cities and you know the venues. What's the what's the process for getting featured in the guide, and what's what's the criteria for getting each of those stars? So from I guess from the criteria of entering, um, you don't pay to be in the guide. You can't pay to be rated. There there there's none of of that. Um, we we definitely want to make sure that anybody who is featured is you know, that that rating is extremely impartial, right? And from you know, in knowing the players, 
I mean, we can kind of go into a market where we have a whole team within our ratings division that, that locates the best of the best within that particular area. We don't go into a city and rate every hotel. We only rate what we feel is the best of the absolute best to appeal to a luxury consumer or somebody who, you know, just wants an amazing weekend or wants a really trusted place to spend their discretionary income. That if you're going to go to a five star hotel, you know, that you can go on other websites and there are you know, 70 different five-star hotels. Well, maybe there are only, you know, eight that are trusted within that city that have actually gone through an evaluation that is independent of, sort of any, any guest or sort of any bias. Um, and that we rate properties on three different levels. We, we start with our recommendeds, which are properties that don't necessarily score at a four-star range, but there's something about them that we would still recommend our, our consumers to, to go to. So whether it's an amazing you know, location for a hotel, whether it's an incredible chef-driven style concept restaurant. Then when we go to our, our fours, we like to consider those like the Olympic gold medal winners in service. I, it's a really difficult award to get. It's very difficult to keep. This is actually where you know, the majority of Four Seasons, Ritz-Carlton, St. Regis, Rosewood, they actually they sort of sit within that four-star range. So if the fours are the Olympic gold medal winners, then we consider our fives to be like the Michael Phelps, the Simone Biles, the Usain Bolts of the hospitality world, that this really isn't about your gold medal anymore. Um, but you start to you change almost the sport of hospitality because you are in it and you become the property that everybody looks up to to set the trends. So whether it's you know iconic properties like the Plaza Athene or the Lanesboro in London, whether it's you know the French Laundry or Alinea from a restaurant perspective, whether it's the number of spas at a Mandarin Oriental, that once again they become sort of the benchmarks within the hospitality world. So best of the best of the best. That's 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 what we deal with. We're very fortunate to have a very small sector. Of the hospitality world, but then it's been an amazing ride, that's for sure. Travel is such a big part of your job, and we know that you travel to almost like six continents and stayed at hundreds of five star and four star hotels. We're, we're very jealous. Very jealous. <laughs> so, how has the pandemic changed the way you work? Oh my goodness! Um, you know, when travel is literally the middle name of your company. And that completely stops you. You have to pivot and you have to come up with ways in which to continue to support your team and obviously the hospitality world. Mm -hmm. You know, what we found obviously in March of last year when the sort of the world stopped is you know, we thought, what could we do to continue to support the industry? So we actually began putting together a weekly webinar. And it would focus on 10 different topics. And it turned out to be an, an amazing community that was built for people who were furloughed or for people who just wanted some continuing education. Um, we had these amazing chats going where people would talk about like great things that they were doing at their property or like up-to-date information on new COVID protocols and procedures. And so from an in-person perspective, we almost changed to a virtual training. And then now we are transitioning back to sort of a mix of virtual and in-person. Um, within my own company, based on you know what we learned from the financial crisis over a decade ago, 
that unlike that, maybe the luxury segment would be the first to bounce back. That if you're going to stay in sort of a downtown convention style hotel, there's probably a different reason why you're staying in that hotel mm-hmm. versus if you're staying at you know a luxury hotel, it almost becomes its own destination. True. And and we've and we've certainly seen that over the past couple of months from spring break onwards. You know, that, that four and five star resort market is doing exceptionally well. City hotels are doing really great on weekends. So we're, we're still not out of it, but I would rather be an optimist than a pessimist. So we're starting to see a good amount of, of recovery within that segment. In the hospitality world in general, I mean, it's been, of course, a remarkably difficult year. Absolutely. And I, I think consumers associate the higher quality with a higher level of you know, safety and hygiene and et cetera. Right. That there's an idea that if you stay at, you know, a Four Seasons, that your room is going to be impeccably clean anyway. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Right? And yep. so, like, your, the buy-in is much is much faster there. Mm-hmm. And then, obviously, there's a, a remarkable sense of trust that each of those luxury brands have built over the course of decades mm-hmm. with their consumers that, you know, you can, you can come here and, and we will have done everything on the back end and all of the research and put all of the processes and the sequence of service into place so that way you can just come in and enjoy. So let's talk about uh, the annual Star Awards, which uh, were recently announced. In your opinion, I I know this is probably going to be a a gross oversimplification, but what does it really take for a hotel to earn a five-star rating? Well, I'll give you two answers. So first, I'll give you the very I'll, I'll give you the very technical one. Is that in a hotel evaluation we have about five hundred standards. In a spa we have about two hundred and twenty, and then in a restaurant we have about one hundred and eighty. If you achieve ninety percent of those standards, congratulations, you're a five. If you achieve eighty percent of them, congratulations, you're a four. So like that's a math perspective. That's sort of the way that it works. Um, from a, a feeling perspective and you know where you start to see the difference is that there's you know, that I think a great five-star property really focuses in on the experience they're giving to their guests and not necessarily a department. And what I mean by that is that you know if you can check in at any hotel, but you arrive at a five, like there should be that feeling that energy, that sense of urgency from each staff member that they are proud to have you, that they think less about almost the steps of service as they do like thinking about you. Is this the point where they may tell you, you know, like how to best experience the hotel that you know sun is setting right now at 730. So go to this spot to be able to enjoy it. That, you know, here's something that's really unique about the room just to help you you know, set yourself up for success and be comfortable in your new space. That it that it's sort of less about a, a quote unquote achieving a standard, but they take you through and and show off the, the really unique personality of themselves. So, like I, I you know, I, I think what a great five star property does is that it just is so confident in itself that it just goes out and delivers and says like, here's who we are. Well, I want to be there. I want to be at every venue. <laughs> I want to travel now. I'm so yearning for that. It's it's been nice to actually see some recovery throughout the industry, and um, and and pardon the pun, but guests are hungry for it. Absolutely, absolutely. We, we certainly are. Yeah. So, I mean, given travel restrictions now, how 
where the judge is able to do their job without even experiencing the the properties firsthand. Well, last year we you know we had some new additions to our our four our recommended our four and our five star list. In that, if you were almost lucky enough to be evaluated in that January through March timeframe, then so that we you know obviously if you were in it, we promoted you. Um, all ratings were suspended basically from April through the rest of 2020. And so now we have actually just started to resume evaluations for 2022 on April 1st of this year. And so we're going to go almost like quarter by quarter by quarter um, through the second, third and fourth um, to to evaluate um, that, you know, hotels are open. So. Um, and, and opening. So if, you know, if you're charging the amount in which you are, then that certainly the product should be, should be there, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, we saw that this year the awards honored Hisashi Sugimoto, the 80-year-old master bartender at Tokyo Station Hotel. It impressed us to no end. I mean, to be winning awards at age 80, God and bless. And working and shaking and stirring cocktails at the bar. Incredible. I mean, Isn't it amazing? A beautiful thing. It's such a beautiful thing. So my, my question is, are there any plans to have bars be a standalone category, like restaurants are a standalone category? Well, I guess first, you know, we were really excited to be able to announce an employee of the year and, uh, um, you know, spa employee of the year, restaurant employee of the year. You know, we actually haven't done that in the past, but felt like as if this would be a really great year to recognize not only properties, but individuals within our industry. And I'm, and I'm pretty confident we're going to keep that, that going for years on, right? For, you know, for specific bars, I can't say as of now that that's an avenue where we'll independently rate them. But, you know, something that is pretty unique about those, I guess, those 500 standards for a hotel is that the two largest departments in a hotel evaluation are actually hotel dining and the bar and the lounge. And uh, you know, there's, there's sort of a, a strategic reason why we do that is that those are really the only two places in a hotel that anyone can come and visit. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And so if you know, someone just wants to go and stay in a hotel or you know, is staying in the area or living in the area and just wants to go and experience a five-star property, well, what can they do? They can go and have breakfast and lunch in the restaurant. They can go get a cocktail in the lounge. And, you know, that property's reputation may sit on the old fashioned that you get, right? You have an amazing experience. What do you think of the hotel? Well, it's amazing. If you have a terrible experience, you know, the building that houses hundreds of people, you know, their reputation goes down in flames because of, you know, the, you know, the, the service that was just given. So we place a bit more emphasis on those two areas for sure. Well, speaking of bars and restaurants, so once travel comes back, what country would you like to visit first and why? You know, I'm going to give a really maybe a corny answer, but, you know, I think that, that my favorite place to travel is the place I haven't been to yet. Okay. But which is very, what? You've been traveled uh, six continents. So yeah, there aren't what's many left? left, I'm sure. What's left? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, from a place I would love to go back to, I would love to go back to Japan. I would love to go back to South Africa and spend some more time in Cape Town. I'd love to be able to explore more of South America. Um, so I think that as, you know, you can... 
I mean, I could say something like Rome or Paris, and those are always amazing, you know, magnetic cities. Um, but there's always something about learning and exploring something new that has always been really fascinating. You know, and not only just to see product, but to see like what hospitality is like, you know, and if you go down to like, Los Cabos or Riviera Maya, you know, there's a, a special place in my hospitality heart for Mexican hospitality. I think it's so gracious and warm and like there's a there's a heart to it um you you may go to you know uh, uh iconic parisian hotels and there's just like a sharpness and a crispness and like this overwhelming like chicness that just makes you feel more feel more yourself than um than you would otherwise right so I just think like there's something that's really that's really interesting about just the way in which certain cultures interpret hospitality and the way that they bring that out to the guest yeah hospitality that's, that's is all true. about the people and hearts and emotional connections you know right so we very much enjoyed reading the uh, 35 most anticipated hotel openings of 2021 it's given us a real uh, bucket list of <laughs> hotels to check off where do you all find these hotels? Are they suggested by outsiders or PR professionals like us, or is it strictly internal within the guide team? I would I would have to say that it's a little bit of both. You know, from a luxury hotel standpoint, and maybe even a luxury restaurant standpoint, we're we're lucky enough that they don't just pop up. There's usually a good year, two years, two and a half years of construction um, after that it's been announced. So there is a good like lead time for us to be able to like put those together. Um, you know, we have an executive editor here at Forbes Travel Guide. Her name is Jennifer Kester and her and our ratings team that is held by uh, Amanda Frazier sort of oversee kind of all, all of that public relations, who are the new players and you know, what's coming up. Good to know that. All right. So uh, what types of innovation have you seen in the travel and hospitality industry over the past year that you think will stay in place even after the pandemic is over? There are a lot. And, you know, I think that the properties that really embraced that creativity and thought of different ways of doing something are are the properties that are obviously much stronger in terms of occupancy and in business now um you know that from you know the ability to communicate with your guests via an app or through text you know i think is great for some reason like i think the luxury hospitality world sort of held off on that for a very long time thinking like you can't text a guest like that's not elegant and it's like well you know luxury is is what you want when you want it um from I think from food and beverage, you know, I, I I love the idea that we've been able to almost like take concepts and be able to place them outside of that of sort of that physical brick and mortar space. You know, I could think of at the Rosewood Miramar Beach, you can go and you know enjoy bottled Manor Bar cocktails um, that are you know available for purchase. You know, there's a there's a restaurant called Pajoli in. And Santa Monica, which was the sister restaurant for the five star dialogue. Um, and something that I thought was brilliant that they did is that they had, you know, take home souffle kits. Ooh. Oh, wow. But I thought that it was really brilliant that you're not just, you're not just selling packaged food. You're not just selling something to go, but you're actually selling like the experience of the restaurant. Mm -hmm. Exactly. Mm -hmm. But almost with no effort. 
right? So you get to pretend like you're on the Food Network <laughs> and you know make your souffle, but you didn't really have to do anything. Um, so people are want a fine dining restaurant experience. Like like those rest those restaurants are going to come roaring back um, with people who are are looking to like just bask in not having to cook a meal and not having to set a table and not having to do dishes and not having to go purchase everything and just be taken care of and, you know, and enjoy. We, we need it now more than ever. We do. We do. So we, we call our podcast Hospitality Forward because we believe in the future of our industry. Can you tell us if there's anyone or any organization that you think is doing really great work in terms of moving hospitality forward? You know, from, you know, I, I love a lot of our, of our independent restaurants. Um, you know, I'll give so much credit to, you know, Danielle for like rethinking maybe like what a Daniel Baluda rethinking almost of what a restaurant should be and what a hotel restaurant should be and his little pop up at the, you know, the Blantyre. Um, you know, I'll give a shout out to, you know, the, the chef of Pajoli of Dave Barron, who like really reconcepted like what a fine dining restaurant is. And that you can have it at home and you don't have to sacrifice, you don't have to sacrifice quality. I think a lot of Relay and Chateau hotels and resorts did a great job at, um, you know, they're sort of small enough to be able to very quickly pivot. But, you know, you have a property like Ocean House in, in Rhode Island, where since you couldn't go to the bar, that they actually had a, built a bar cart and painted it Ferrari red to match the color of the leather of the chairs in the lounge. Oh, and they would go wow. up and down, up and down, you know, the halls during cocktail hour. Love that. And, you know, serve cocktails and snacks. So that way you can still have a cocktail, but in, you know, the, in the comfort of your own room and be able to watch the sunset over the Atlantic. Um, I think that, you know, there's Daisy Tepper, who's the spa director here at the, the Post Oak or the post oak here in Houston, where I live. You know, I think they did an amazing job at at creating a spa experience that makes people really safe, but also like incredibly elegant. That everything is, you know, that you are given like your own individual juice, you're given your own snack, you're given your own package of amenities. That um, you know, I, I hope that the, that those trends actually continue to stay. Um, so you saw a lot of innovation. I mean, I can go on. There's a gentleman named Rick Rumedio, who is the general manager of Kimpton Lapeer, who just rethought everything and said, all right, well, we have all of this banquet space in our hotel that's being unused. Could we have like a weekly bazaar where we may be able to have like local artisans and farmers markets come in, farmers come in, and we can have this like a big market that's socially distanced and we can support all of these places within the industry. So clever. Um, mm -hmm. Just remarkable, remarkable amounts of creativity. I mean, I can go on and on and on. And now for the listeners' question segment of our show, we have a question from Agostino Perone of Connaught Bar at London's Connaught Hotel, which earned five stars from Forbes Travel Guide in 2021. And the, the bar itself ranked number one on the world's 50 best bars list. And Ago is curious to know what you think about the future of hotel bars and what people are going to be looking for when travel restrictions ease? You know, from a hotel bar, and I'm not just saying that because you asked, but it, it is by far and away my favorite place within a hotel. Um, right? Like there's nothing, there's nothing better than an amazing hotel bar yes. to get an immediate sense of place of where you are, to get an understanding of the hotel, 
of getting an understanding of you know how the bartending team and you know can can sort of like interpret a cocktail to the way in which you know where it is that you are you know you could think of the great history from Beelman's bar at the Carlisle to like the place that it has in society um, you know you can be a little voyeuristic and be able to like watch guests and locals hang out like I, I think there's nothing like it and, agreed you know I think that what I would hope is that operators see the value of a great hotel bar and don't necessarily think of it as just an amenity. You know, as, as as borders start to open up, people are going to are going to be really want like that social setting, mm-hmm. no question, and, and want to like, see people and enjoy an old fashioned while doing it. Yes, sure. old fashioned. I'm getting thirsty already. <laughs> <laughs> right by listening to this podcast, I know you're a, that's a particular favorite. Oh yes, yes, yes. So before we go, uh, what's the best way for our listeners to find you on social channel or anywhere else? So you can find us at Forbes Travel Guide on LinkedIn, on Instagram, and on Facebook. All you have to do, it's just the name of our company. And then you can find myself uh, at Jeff Wilgopolan, and that's W-I-E-L-G-O-P-O-L-A-N. I I know my last name is a bit of a mouthful. On LinkedIn and uh, at Jeff Wiggs on Instagram. So Jeff, it's been so great speaking with you and... um... You know, we really hope to travel soon and maybe we run into at a hotel bar and then share a <laughs> old fashioned or two together. <laughs> I, I hope so. I would I would love that yeah. for sure. I I can definitely see your passion for our industry and, and just love for the community. So very happy to have you on our show and um we'll see you soon. Yep. We applaud everything you've been doing. Oh well thank you. Thank you so much. You know, uh, it's a pleasure. And you know, maybe just one last special shout out to, you know, all of the people who dedicate their lives to our industry. You know, when I think of, you know, all of uh, the properties within our own inventory is, you know, that's tens, if not hundreds of thousands of people who wake up every day and, you know, go to work and perform at this exceptionally high level and help other people create memories and traditions. And there's just something that's so uniquely special about it. So thank you to all of them who, who, who do that every day. Oh, Absolutely. Thanks for the shout out. Thank you so much again, Jeff. We'll see you all soon. Right. All right. Thank you. Bye. Bye-bye. Insightful, passionate, and so knowledgeable. These words nicely sum up Jeff. Now that you know what Forbes Travel Guide is looking for, please feel free to incorporate these invaluable insights into your own hotel, spa, or restaurant. We have a lot of exciting media guests in the pipeline as well. So please subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, iHeartRadio, Google Podcasts, or your favorite podcast app. Please leave a review and tell your friends and colleagues. See you next week. Until then... Join us as we move hospitality forward together.